Greetings and welcome to Fops Collection. And uh, this particular episode, we're going to do a little bit of a, a tangential episode and uh, talk about a subject that is sort of related to the normal stuff that we do, but uh, not entirely. So we're going to be talking about the uh, movies from the Star Trek franchise uh, created by Gene Roddenberry. So joining me today is Pops. Welcome, Pops. Welcome. How's it going? Good. Good. And welcome to our guests. Uh, this does fall under the category of comic books. Okay. Definitely. Even though uh, the comics came after the original TV series. Right. Uh, which, by the way, uh, I wasn't even a teenager when it came out. I was going to be... Turn. I was just going to turn 13. It started uh, September 8th, 1966. Okay. Um, actually, before that, they had a couple of pilots that they tried to get going. But uh, first pilot, not so good. Right. But a- anyways, uh, we are here. We're going to discuss. This is uh, Trekkie Nation. It uh, became <laughs> really, really big. Yeah. After... The show was over. The its popularity. It started off. I can remember uh, there was one kid on the block that had a color TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an eighteen-inch black and white, and it's it was a time when there was only one TV per household. You know, you normally. But when Star Trek came out, all of us guys. We went over to the kid that had the color TV to watch it in color. Right. It was like going to the movies, you mm-hmm. know. He was an only child, so he was pretty much spoiled. So yeah, the parents uh, didn't mind having the friends over and everything, you know. So it was a good thing. Gotcha. And we did get to see it. But because of that original series... They were actually going to cancel it midway through the second season. Right. There was fandom that made it. Uh, they convinced them to go on with it. Mm-hmm. Actually, after they did finally end it in the third season, Desi Lu Production picks it, picked it up for syndication. Right. And it was during that syndication time that its popularity increased. And uh, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first Star Trek convention was uh, January 21st through the 23rd on 1972. Mm -hmm. And they were expecting like a few hundred people there. Sure. They wound up getting several thousand people at the first convention and they wound up having more conventions and more. And it just, you know, developed into a cult thing. So it might be helpful to maybe start at the beginning. So what is Star Trek for those uh, people who've been either living under a rock or were born after, let's say, you know, Enterprise wrapped up? What is Star Trek? Well, you can't really uh, say that because they're actually now we have uh, two new series that just came out. The one that came out in 2017. Yeah, I'm which, not. I'm not. Right. We can't really count that, but they (laughs) are Star Trek. I have, I can honestly tell you, I have not seen a single episode of Discovery. Right. Or uh, Picard, which came out in 2020. Right. But it was uh, developed by Gene Roddenberry. Yep. uh, Back in the early 60s. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say he was an atheist. I don't know what that has to do. I might have to do with his philosophical storylines and the way he attempted to do the stories that a lot of them do seem to be a little bit on the liberal side. Yeah, I, I think that is important to note, although I would say that uh, even though from a, a liberal perspective, it's not inherently leftist, I would make that distinction. And I do think that at least I would say, at least through Enterprise, uh, things were at very at the very least, they were balanced. Uh, it, they might have been shifted a little bit more center left, but I, I would agree with you. And, and the other part of him with his worldview being secular, I uh, totally agree with that. You can see that throughout the the series. Although some of the original ones, 
I, I do see something that is uh, relatively uh, there's some definite definitely some Christian uh, I would say um, artifacts like uh, artifacts of a Christian worldview. It just kind of it, it was in the uh, you know you really can't escape the heritage of that being just an American. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but the, but the yes, the, and presented it in different ways. Yeah, and the other part of it is that uh, the pitch, the elevator pitch, was that this was a wagon train to the stars. This takes place in the twenty third century, at least the original series does. And uh, you know, basically, humanity has realized that it's not alone in the universe. Discovered warp drive, and basically, the the original series was the five year mission of the Starship Enterprise, headed by Captain Kirk. And uh, to explore that only lasted three. Yeah, so you're right. Um, Strange new worlds. Yeah, exactly. So you could, you know, I'll probably uh, copy in the 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 prologue of the beginning credits of the show uh, here. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. You're right that, um, you know, when they found strange new worlds, turns out that a lot of the worlds that they found uh, had a lot of interesting parallels to Earth. I remember a particular episode where they were, uh, there was a, a cult of uh, a, you know, a small religious group that was worshiping the sun and they were like well you know sun worship normally is you know before like this level of civilization it turns out that it was the S-O-N not the S-U-N and so they had like a Jesus like figure so that's what I was thinking about saying like it wasn't completely secularized that's true that and, is true and, and I do know that they've made some moral stances about you know Nazism and uh, so, some other, like Abraham Lincoln as well, they brought back in one of the time travel episodes. So they, they, I, I do think that even though it was secularist in worldview, they were inconsistent in that they had a, a clear morality displayed there, uh, where, where the foundation of that morality was something arbitrary. Like just, I guess, you know, a, a couple of different ways you could look at it, but uh, there's still a clear moral message to the vast majority of the episodes. Oh, yes. Almost every episode, I would have to say. Right. Uh, There was something. It was very few that was um, episodes that were uh, what you would say powder puff type episodes. You know, there was always some either hidden or brought out directly a meaning. Yeah. uh, You know, that would uh, consciousness of whether to destroy or right you know right what makes you any different uh than the other races right uh you know so which which i we do have to say that that was groundbreaking at the time you know that the idea at least at this particular time gene roddenberry's vision was that you would have a united humanity that uh you know doesn't matter the color or creed or whatever everybody's working right. together it was one it was one of the first yeah uh multi-racial shows um on the network right where, and i you know everybody was considered as equals yeah and i i do want to say that i think this that star trek was the first interracial kiss on television as well um just something yes to throw out there as that's well. true yeah so all right uh, so let me just say this too okay, okay. the original series yeah Again, supposed to be a five-year mission. It only lasted three. NBC. Uh, they have done this more than once to a number of shows. Yeah. How many times have I seen that happen? It just blows me away. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, based on that, usually heads roll, you know? Yeah. But, unfortunately, this uh, series did take a while after uh it was in syndication the original series was 66 to 69 right it immediately went into syndication till 91 right and i think that's where the ubiquity of it with a popularity like kind of grew into a critical mass is, is during the syndication years of the first original series right because of the fact that when it was in syndication yeah. and that was during a time 
where there were a lot of uh, TV channels that were UHF yes. or uh, they were developing other stations that yeah. weren't. It wasn't just the big three anymore. Right. So you could actually uh, watch it on one channel and maybe a couple hours later watch it a different episode on another channel. Right. It was quite possible. Right. And I think I, I do want to say that my experience with that growing up in the early 90s was The Simpsons. That was for me because it was on syndication. You could watch it for like two hours straight. And that's where I developed my love for uh, that show. So it, it, it's kind of a, a, almost like a passe thing nowadays with, with uh, broadcast television being a way different thing. But yeah, syndication was, you know, you would create a TV show. During the first run, it would air normally weekly. And uh, then what you could do after a show was established, typically the, the magic number is 100 episodes, but Star Trek was an exception to that. But basically uh, other TV stations, like you said, UHF or uh, some of the smaller stations could purchase that show and, for broadcasting rights for, for those things. And like you said, that's exactly what happened with Star Trek. Oh, yes. And that, again... Part of that was uh, the increase in its popularity. Right. So much so that uh, 73 and 74, yeah. they came up with the animated series. Right. Which was 22 half-hour episodes. Well, not exactly half-hour, but 22 yeah. short episodes. Right. And that, in turn, led to their next TV series. Yes. Which is your TV series, or the one that you enjoyed. Well, I, I do think we need to talk about the movies at this point, because... Oh, yeah, we better, because I'm going to get off on a tangent. There are so many shows. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. So, so I, right. I would say... 79 is the first Yeah, movie. exactly. And I don't, I don't know, I didn't do the research on this particular movie, but I'm assuming the reason why it was greenlit is because of the success of Star Wars in 77, that you know there was a, a new appetite for movies that have a science fiction theme and so um and i think we also should talk about star trek phase two but maybe afterwards i think that that was just before i think it was after the first movie they talked about star trek phase two but uh we'll, we'll talk about that in just a bit sure so so the first movie, 1979. Yeah. I'm going to say that uh, as far as that movie goes, yeah, the critics and most people, unless they were Trekkies, considered it a snooze fest. Yeah. But I have to say, being a uh, somewhat of a Trekkie, that because uh, I, re I remember watching it as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, it was important. We had to see it every week. Right. The cinematography and the music was uh, spectacular. Yeah. Their failure, I believe, is their attempt at trying to establish the ginormous, the enormity of their uh, villain or the conflict in this particular movie. Uh, as you, I don't know if you remember it. Right, I do. But there were scenes where the Enterprise yeah. was flying and flying <laughs> and flying. Right. And still not getting much further, you know, and you kept hearing this. Yeah, yeah, that drone, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and part of me, I think, so I, I do remember this one being uh, my maybe my least favorite one of the of the films. That, that's how I first got into Star Trek was the the movies. So um, f for me, like you said, I think the pacing was what was really wrong with it. And the other part of it is we'll talk about what the I think what the second movie does so much better is that there's a uh, an actual villain that you can play William Shatner off of. And I think that really is the key, and I think that's what made uh, Star Trek so beloved. It wasn't it wasn't the sci-fi thing; actually, it was the humanity side of it. And that you had, you know, Captain Kirk, and you know, you had the 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 other two stars, really, you know, DeForest Kelly as uh, McCoy and Leonard Nimoy as Spock. You know, they, Bones, right? As he was called, sure, yeah, um, and, and them playing off of each other. And, you know, Kurt, 
Spock is kind of like juxtaposed between those two extremes because I would say that Spock is a Vulcan's Vulcan and Bones is a human's human, right? And so you have like full humanity with there and then you have full, you know, Vulcanism, whatever, with, with Spock. Yeah, even though he is part human. Yes, even though, but he's completely embraced his full Vulcan side, right? I mean, his he, logicalness. Yeah, you don't even realize that he's human until like, was it season two, I think? So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, so, but, but the, but my point is, is that in the first movie, you really didn't have any of that there. You just had them the, trying to figure out what's happening with this big thing. They don't even, like, big right, alien. It was dis- right, it was destroying uh, things. Right. You know, that would come in contact with. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. For, and, and really, the, the other thing that we have to think about is that, you know, you have a lore that's established with, uh, you know, uh, everything happening like over hundreds of hours of television. And then you have these movies that, you know, could, could you know, I always think of it with this rubric, could this movie have been just like a two-parter on the TV show. And if if so, then I think that it really doesn't make anything special about the movie. It's just, you know, so could th- could it, this one have been a two-parter for the original series? Probably, I mean. Um, I'm going to say not. And the reason that I'm going to say that is that uh, being that uh, this is the first one, Star Trek, right. the motion picture. Right. It is kind of like the first Superman movie with, oh, what was his name? Christopher Reeves. Okay. Right? That it was, it had to establish the new boundaries. You now saw a big station in space that was building the Enterprise. Uh Uh-huh. You now saw that, oh... Because you never got that in the TV series. Where, how did they make that? How did it get off right. the planet Earth? Well, it yeah. didn't get off the planet Earth. Right. It was built in space uh-huh. based on that. So you had that. Then you also had them testing out the new uh, warp engines. The You saw them uh, areas building in the engineering. You saw the, yeah. the uh, transporters. Uh-huh. And how they changed that, and there was some issues with that. Yeah, you know, just different kind of things like that. And then you also got to see other base stations. It's like the first uh, movie of any new series. There's going to be some baggage there that they have to unpack. Uh, they unpacked different uniforms, you know, different aliens that you really didn't get a whole lot of, but you just saw that. They had different aliens that they were bringing to the table. There was a lot of different things. Yes, you could have probably put it on television in two different series, but the scope of the enormity of this uh, thing that they were encountering, yeah, I don't think that would play well on television. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it was on the big screen. Not that... It couldn't have been done in a two-parter on TV. Actually, I think it could have been a one-parter if you edited out a lot of the long shots of just, like you said, establishing shots of you know, space stations and stuff yes, like that. Yes, of you, the enormities of this and the enormity of that. Yeah. Watching little tiny people yeah. that they had on the outside, working on the outside of the Enterprise. Right. Uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And if you saw it in the movie theater, it was really awesome, which back then... You know, I don't think there were DVDs around back then. No. No. So, you know, again, first movie, I'm going to say it. I've got a couple of them that I really don't care for that much. But uh, I would put it in the bottom of the first six. Sure. Which um, I class as the Kirk movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, yes. and I think for me, it's like you have, uh, you know, I, so from 79 and then I think, was it 81 when the... 82. 82, yeah. 82, so, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, so so basically there was a, a three-year period where all you had was the motion picture, so you could appreciate that. But like for me, it's like Wrath of Khan comes out and it's like, this is by far superior 
than oh no question so i i just yeah i mean that that one i think is probably one of my favorites uh yes i put it up there at the top again this was a time i actually took your mom on a date to see the star trek one uh-huh uh we did see the wrath of khan and uh unbelievable as it might sound uh, we did not see search of spock in the movie theater okay search for spock yeah uh but we did go for the voyage home yeah uh, which was i believe your mom's favorite okay you know she really liked that a lot and again i think that the star trek it was really the basis for a lot of the tv shows that I watch today, you know, uh-huh. the superhero ones. Okay. Where it's more about the character development and the emotions of the character and what the characters are dealing with as opposed to the superpowers and, you know, the things that make them who the heroes that they are. Yeah, well, I think we have to mention that one of the big uh, plot points of Wrath of Khan is that uh, Spock dies at the very end of it. And he sacrifices his life to, to save the rest of the ship. And so um, that was the like, life of many yeah. outweighs the life of the one. Right. Right. So so that's uh, that was a huge thing. Uh, and, you know, I guess the, the uh, you know, the, the uh, two, three and four is kind of like known as the Spock trilogy, because like you said, Star Trek three, the search for Spock is. Oh, they get he's actually alive, and so they bring him back, and then Voyage Home, they kind of, he kind of just finally gets restored with his mind, so. Um, uh, it's it's kind of crazy. I love it, too, because yeah. we have discussed already the, the uh, relationship between Bones and Spock. Yeah. And we learn in the search for Spock that he did the Vulcan mind meld and put his mind inside of bones his katra his katra yes there yeah. you go yeah so uh the yeah and you know the there is like conventional wisdom or the the you know i guess a popular opinion is that the uh odd numbered star trek movies are the bad ones and the even ones are the good ones and uh, you know I, I actually i like the I like Star Trek three just fine. I don't think there's really that much of an issue there. It's not as exciting as the second one or the fourth one, but I think really what makes it good is Christopher Lloyd's uh, performance as the uh, as a Cleon. Oh yeah, it's great. So awesome. Yes, I think that's what makes it that movie like really good is the acting in that one. And we do have to say that Ricardo Montalban playing Khan in the second movie as the foil for William Shatner. Like the, like that, the acting styles are very crazy, both of them. So like them playing off each other is like perfect, you know? Um, well, you know, that is their second time together. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the other thing I think that makes Star Trek two a better movie is that it has a, uh, deep tie to one of the most popular original series episodes, Space Seed. And so I think that makes it, you know, very, uh, you know, that, that, that makes it even better. Right, because it, it's really like a continuation of the original story. Right. They were dropped off on a planet and, you know, it was like, hey, you're going to be all right. We'll check on you, you know, and see yeah. how things are going. But right. eh, I don't think that was ever in the plans. To go check on them because they were a superior race, and if they were to, you know, stop on the planet, who would stop them from capturing the ship and going conquering the rest of the universe? You know, I, I actually I think it's more of a commentary on the bureaucracy of Starfleet and how like yeah they were going to get around to it, but not for another couple hundred years or something like that. You know, yes, but we know that it's not a couple hundred years based on. Where these stories are, how they're plotted against the original. Right, but I, I think that, yeah, it's not, but that's only because of the mistaken identity of SETI Alpha, the system, you know, the, the planet, you know, one of the planets exploding and causing the uh, orbit for the other one to get messed up. And so we won't get into the whole story, but I do think that you're right. I think that if things were to go the way they were, that 
you know, they wouldn't have checked on them for another hundred years, I think. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to ask you. Okay. Your preference. Yep. And we're going to call the 66 to 69. We're just going to note that as the original series from now on. Yeah, that's what they, they do. Okay. Well, preference. Cleons in the original series or Cleons in the movies? <laughs> well, now you also have to say Cleons in Discovery because they gave them a complete, you know, remake there as well. But well, I haven't seen that show. Yeah, I haven't either. But my point is, is that they also did like a total you know, revamp of what they look like as well. And so, uh, for me, obviously, just given uh, my age, I always prefer the next generation with the Klingons with the the ridges. Um, I think that uh, it's more interesting. I think Michael Dorn as Worf for me is the prototypical Klingon. And so when I think of Klingon, it's always Michael Dorn. Uh, well, the makeup is awesome Yeah, in uh, that series. And like I said, that whenever I think of Generations, I think of you. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of a, your thing. But, uh, you know, when I was doing a little bit of the research here. Yeah. Deep Space Nine came out before Voyager. It did, yes. And and I thought it was the other way around. I don't know why. Maybe I just never got into Deep Space Nine. So this is this is the reason why. Uh, yeah. Well, number one, Deep Space Nine is my favorite of the series, uh, no doubt. Uh, but so also uh, disclaimer: you haven't seen Discovery or Picard. I don't need to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. God, I'm gonna uh, have to get another cup of coffee for that one. Really, no, it's okay. Uh, so uh, the idea was that uh, you know they they had uh, another Star Trek series greenlit while Next Generation was going on, and so they thought it counterproductive to have a two series of two ships traveling space. That would be too. They'd be like they'd be cannibalize their audience, right? And so they right. created they created Deep Space Nine more of like a, a frontier, like a western set in space, very similar. Instead of wagon train, it's more like you know an outpost or whatever. And so right, a saloon in state in space. Right. So what halfway through DS Nine, uh, Next Generation ends, and so then at the same time they start off Voyager. So now they have another ship going through space while they have a space station series at the same time. So. Uh, that that's kind of the uh, timeline for those series um, in place, right? And then once Voyager was over, that's when we got Enterprise. Yeah, which, which I have a hard time. You know, I like that show a lot too. Me too. I thought it was very good. But anyways, back to the movies. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I, all I, right, we yeah. So we talked about. Ahead. So we talked about Klingons. Yeah, Klingons. I do think that uh, we do need to note that the Star Trek three and four were both directed by Leonard Nimoy. And so I think that's another thing that I think he really did have a vision for what makes a good Star Trek story. And so I think that's the reason why those movies for me are good. And, and I think from a popularity standpoint, I think Star Trek Four: voyage home is the most popular of the original series movies where they, they go yeah. back, you know, to the, Back That's the other time. part. Yeah, in going to the 1980 San Francisco, it's I, I, to me, I love that as kind of a time capsule, and how I don't know, just that, that's why I love that movie. It's just so, I don't know, oh, something, yes. something and, about it's uh, great. Spock, Spock in a bathrobe and wearing a yeah. sweatband over right. his pointed ears. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Which worked. And yeah, notice because I mean that was kind of the uh, style of the time, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe not the bathrobe part, but certainly the sweatband. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, no, there were bathrobes. They just nobody wore them outside. Right. You know? Yeah. Anyway, so we had uh, to finish that off yeah. after the voyage home. There was the final frontier. So that that's the other one that uh, it, now that Leonard Nimoy has his chance of directing, William Shatner wanted his chance. And so that's why we got the final frontier. Yeah. <sighs> and so. Okay. And yeah. Okay. Well, I don't. No, if I like the way that movie came out. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it you know it, it this one for me especially it does remind me of the Gene Roddenberry worldview kind of coming to 
to play. Especially yes. with, you know, at the end, like, they think they found God, where's God while in Starship and all stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, and the special effects on that part, especially the ending part, really leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, yeah, it does. But but there's a it's, lot of cool it, things that me, I like about like it, though. A cheap, it's like a cheap imitation yeah. of Doctor Strange in the end, or the Master Computer. Right, and, and then they, they, they also... didn't get there. Right, and then also... You know, we get this revelation now that Spock, up until now, has never mentioned anything, but he has a half-brother that's full Vulcan, but he's completely, you know, uh, emotional. So it's strange. I don't know. Yeah, it was an interesting concept. Uh, it kind of reminded me of one of the original stories. Uh, there was a story in the original series where there was a group... That were kind of like hippies. Oh, yeah, space hippies. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you remember that? I do. And they had their leader that was going to take them to this Eden. Right, promised know? land, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was kind of similar to that. This emotional brother that could touch right. somebody and, and make them believe as he believes. Right. Uh, that, it, hey, it was a... Interesting movie, but it's down there in the bottom for me. Yeah. Just like Undiscovered uh, Country. Really? You, you don't like that one as much? Oh, no, no. I like it. Okay. But not as much as the three, the Spock three. I don't know. I, I really like it. I, for You know, it, I, it was I, a great story. It, it was, and I, I only develop an even deeper appreciation of it uh, as an adult. You know, because as a kid, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a fun thing. And, you know, uh, Bones and, and, and Kirk in a, on, on, in a gulag, essentially, uh, trying right. to survive. That prison. was really fun. Um, but, yeah, but that, that's the thing that I really love about it is that it basically, the Klingon Empire is the Soviet Union in Star Trek VI. And they're collapsing just like the Soviet Union did in the late 80s. And, and I, I love the way that it kind of, there's so many echoes of that. And how, how does the U.S., you know, Federation slash Federation deal with that empire collapsing? And what do we do? You know, peace and things like that. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And like I said, as, you know, looking back and, and putting it in as a historical allegory, I just, I thought, I think it's one of the better ones. I love it. Okay. Well, all right. We're going to do this now. I want us to rate from top to bottom. Okay. The Kirk movies. Okay. With your number one. Okay. Uh, For me, it's Wrath of Khan. Okay. That's my number one. Uh Uh-huh. My number one would be... Okay, you're just going to go through all of them? Well, we could do it one at a time. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm going to go Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Then I'm going to go Voyage Home. Uh Uh-huh. Search for Spock. Uh huh. Then Undiscovered Country. Yeah. Uh, Final Frontier, and then the original motion picture, the first one. Okay. What about you? All right. So I'd put Voyage Home as number one for me. Then Undiscovered Country. Then Rathacon. Search for Spock. Motion picture. Final Frontier. Oh, okay. So you like motion picture better than Final Frontier? I I would watch. Yeah, motion picture over Final Frontier. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, we have differences in opinion, and you are entitled to your wrong opinion. So okay. So cool. All right. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, that takes us to 1991. Undiscovered Country was uh, 91. Right. So we then uh, had a few more years on television of Next Generation till 94. And then we had what I call the Picard movies. Right. Although the first one in this particular sequence has a lot of Kirk in it, too. That's true. That's true, because it is called Generations. Right. And uh, actually has a good villain in this, too. Yes. Uh, Yes. Definitely was a good story. And we got to see some other... Well, yeah. Never mind. I was going to say, oh, yeah, we see a lot more of Next Generation in there. But, yeah, it's about Next Generation. Durr. Yeah, it's it's mostly a Next Gen movie, but there's a significant portion of Kirk 
in this movie. Yes, actually, it doesn't it start off with uh, the Admiral visiting a new ship yeah, so with it's, a bunch of new recruits? Yeah, it, it's the Enterprise B. So, obviously, in the movies, it was Enterprise A for the uh, Kirk and, and the crew in the movies. And then this is supposed to be the Enterprise B, and Kirk, Chekhov, and... Scotty. Scotty, yes. So that that was the other thing that I, I, I knew. I, I, I'm, I'm almost positive that the first draft of this script, it was supposed to be Kirk, Bones, and Spock. But for whatever reason, they didn't get those two. <laughs> they couldn't get those two for whatever reason. And, you know, uh, through Soren, who is the main villain, uh, trying to manipulate uh, going to this uh, Nexus time displacement thing, uh, Kirk gets sucked into it, and then uh, because he's an Elorian, uh, the bad guy, Soren, uh, they are extremely long-lived, uh, hundreds of years at least. Um, he's yes. still trying to get to it. And so, uh, you know, Picard gets sucked into the same craziness, but uh, it's it's different. Um, so, but it yeah. was a good story, uh, I have to say. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think story-wise it is it's very good, and it, it is a... Uh, to to me, it almost is a little too crazy to really, you know, make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I get it's a time thing, and it, it's the only way really to get logically to get Picard and Kirk in the same story. But yeah, right. unless you did a oh well, wait a minute, we're going to go to the second movie and we do that time travel, right? Well, I mean, time travel is definitely something that's been established both in the TV series and the movie, so that's not really that big of a deal. Right. Well, just, and also, I want to remind you that Bones was in Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, he was he, in the pilot. He, he, he was in the pilot, he came on the ship, and he was pretty old then. Yeah, which, which by the way, I, I love that. That's probably one of my favorite, like, first episodes of any TV series is Encountered Farpoint. It's so good. Um, oh, it's a great story. And, and that's the other thing we should and mention. And that was a two-episode, that was a two-episode deal. Yeah, technically it was. The, the, so uh, they call it a feature length, but basically the, the, when it first aired, and that's the other thing that we should say about Star Trek The Next Generation, is that that was a first-run syndication TV series, it, meaning that the uh, it wasn't. It, it it was actually sold as a syndication package initially. It was there wasn't like a first run, like with a particular network. So right, uh, right. That that's something that's important. But like you said, yeah, Encounter at Farpoint, the first premiere of that. And in fact, I remember you taping. You taped it off of our local uh, TV station, and you had it on VHS. I did, and I watched I that. I did. I watched that thing like at least a hundred times, and. I watched every single one of those commercials, and I loved every single one of those commercials from 1986 or whenever. That uh, <laughs> I love that stuff. I so wish much. I still had that. It uh, was great. It was, yeah, so good. I I, I love. Um, yeah, that was just next generation. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's 87. It's when it, it first came out. Um, right. Yes. But still, you were a young kid. But still, you you were able to appreciate it. And like you said, once you got older, even more. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, though, that uh, what we got with Generations, the story with Generations, yeah, uh, all the new crew uh, with some attachments, uh, with a little bit of the old crew, Scotty, like you said, yeah, and uh, Chekhov, was it? Yeah, they were in the very beginning, yeah. Right. Sulu wasn't around, though, right? His daughter was, but not Sulu. That's right. Uh, but do we know? It wasn't his real daughter. Don't know if he has a daughter. George Decay talking about? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. He, no. 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 It was just you know it, it, her, her name was Sulu and the and she was a helmsman for the Enterprise B and so I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so we had generations. Yep. And then two years later we had first contact. Yes. Cat. Uh, generation next generation TV series was done. Uh, it was the start of Voyager, and uh, we were in three years into Deep Space Nine by then. Right. Uh, first Contact. I almost want to say this is kind of almost my number one for, oh, yeah. uh, for Picard's uh, series. Absolutely. Yeah, it, and we should also mention that 
both uh, the first contact and the film that followed up with it, directed by Jonathan Frakes. So we're seeing, again, the first officer directing the, the movies and, and then being done very well. Yes. Uh, that and Insurrection in 98. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the ones he did. Yeah. Uh, which was another interesting movie. Yeah. Uh, not really it, the one of my favorites. but No, no. Uh, that and then 2002, the last one was Nemesis. Yeah. Which, well, had an interesting story. Yeah. It, I, I'm trying to, it reminded me of uh, another sci fi movie that I just, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Okay. Uh, but it's, you know, the thing with his body. And them adding parts to it. It was almost like a Borg thing. Well, yeah. For Nemesis, you know? Yeah. I agree. Uh, But that, like I said, First Contact got to be my number one for uh, Picard. Agreed. Most definitely. Uh, And the fact that they brought it back to the very first warp drive engine. Yep. And the first uh, Vulcans, the meeting of the Vulcans. Right. You know, it was, I loved the way it ended. You know, he's drinking alcohol and he's trying to, you know, get the Vulcans to get, you know, yeah. hopped up playing dancing music and everything. It was pretty funny. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. And we should also mention that Zephyr Cochran was also, uh, there was a uh, episode in the original series featuring him as well, where he was stranded on a planet and there was this other entity that, you know, kept on uh, transforming for him or whatever. But so, so there was a, another homage. Keeping back him to, alive. Yeah. Yeah. It was an homage back to the um, original series episode. So I thought that was another interesting callback. And then of course you got time travel and then you got the Borg, which, you know, I think is probably the most, probably my favorite like enemy of a sci-fi series of all time. It's just, there's something about them that is so unnerving and, um, you know, the whole resistance is futile. It, I don't know, to me. Well, you know, it's like a, it's like probably how you could depict the original Vulcans because the Vulcans originally had no control over their emotions and they were a savage race. Yeah, so, but even so, like, I mean, the Borg, it's just like there's something, I don't know, really uh, scary about them. You know, the fact is that right. like, you, oh, know, you, yes. you, can't, you can't, you can fire at them and maybe hurt some of them. But as soon as they figure out your technology, they become immune to it. And then there's nothing you can do to stop being assimilated by them. You know, it's just, it's crazy. That's true. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was pretty hairy. And I love the head Borg. And, well, you can say that. Literally, also, yeah, the Borg Queen, yeah, uh, the Borg Queen, yeah, uh, the person that played that part was did it beautifully, right? And uh, definitely having data and uh, right, you know, his wanting to uh, be human, right, right. You know, it was there was a lot of great storylines in that one. Agreed. Uh, so. I don't know if you want to say anything about any of the other ones. Well, Insurrection Insurrection really could have been a two-parter for TNG, and it would have fit right in. So to me, that was like completely forgettable. And Nemesis, like you said, besides the weird angle with a clone of Picard, that was, you know. Yes, off the wall. Yeah, it was was okay, I guess. But Yeah, it was, I'm going to say... It's one of those where I tell you that I watch it for the entertainment uh-huh. only. And that's one of those, definitely. I did like Nemesis uh, kind of... Uh, i trying to think of the right word. It, it Rap- had some action in it. Well, that part I really didn't really stick with me, but how they really wrapped up nicely uh, Riker and Troy together on the Enterprise E. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, that was they didn't go anywhere with that, or not far enough, at least, and they didn't make that into anything future, which was kind of a disappointment. But right, you know, well, Jonathan Frax is uh, definitely he's a good director. Agreed, and he's actually uh, set 
to direct the there's going to be a new series uh-huh coming up uh I've, the name slips my mind right now but he is scheduled to be the director for the new series okay unfortunately i think it's going to be another streaming series okay. so yeah. i will not be watching it yeah uh i'm just not i'm not there with that yeah all right so we got the four Picard movies. How are you going to rate them? Uh, well, certainly, uh, it's going to be First Contact, Generations, and then uh, I'd say Nemesis Insurrection, I guess. Oh my gosh. Really? That's yeah. exactly the, the way I feel about it, too. Yeah. First Contact, definitely the best of the Picard series, I'm calling it. Then yeah. Generations. Right. Uh, and then... Nemesis and Insurrection. That Insurrection, although it was had a good director, the rest of it not too bad. Yeah, you know, not too good. So kind of like Laodicea. Sure. Not hot. Not, not cold, cold. Right. Yeah. Lukewarm. Gotcha. Definitely. I could vomit it out, and it would be okay with me. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Now I'm going to go into what we call the, or what I call the reboot series. Right. They, the official name is the Kelvin timeline. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Which they got from one of the shows, if I'm not mistaken, or was it a book or something? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They did get it from part of the Star Trek lore. Sure. I just don't know where. I just don't remember. Sure. I'm having a senior moment. It's okay. So, but that's 2002, from 2002 to 2009. Right, seven years. Yes. So, I mean, it was four years after Enterprise was done. Yes. So, uh, all they had was Star Trek conventions, which yeah. uh, still was very popular, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, this movie, this reboot, I'm going to call it, or Kelvin timeline, right? Yeah. It. I thought it interesting that the character that played McCoy uh-huh. and the character that played Spock uh-huh. and Scotty uh, seemed quite similar to the original characters. Uh-huh. You know, very, very close in their facial features, what have you. You know, differences, but very close. Okay. Yet, having Thor as Kirk's father, it just, I don't know, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, to say that that was the best part of the movie would not be true. There were some good... In 2009, the CG effects that they had... Yeah. They were able to do a lot of interesting action things mm-hmm. that hasn't really been in a lot of the movies up to that point. Sure. However, story content-wise, yeah, I know they tried. You know, they put uh, Pike in there, and you know, yeah, they tried to make it look like. Uh, he was going to the academy, Starfleet Academy, what have you. That, yeah. Uh, but I don't really... The storyline, it just kind of was mishmash to me. Well, I think... So I think it really has to do with the fact that this is a J.J. Abrams joint. Um, ah, yes. So and the thing about J.J. Abrams is that I think that... I find that his work is. I'm trying to think of the right. Uh, there, there's something I'm think. There's a uh, analogy that I'm thinking of. It's almost like he's like cotton candy, in that uh, you think you're getting like something nice, and it is satisfying for a tiny bit. But when you go back and look at it, basically you got a bunch of air, right? That, that's how I, I view a lot of his work. And it's not just with Star Trek. He did the same thing with Star Wars. And I uh, haven't gone back to look at Alias or Lost, but I, I don't have no real desire to go back to Lost, and I haven't even seen right. Alias. So. Well, didn't he do the Dark Knight uh, trilogy? or No, that's Christopher Nolan. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. 
Okay, well, J.J. What else was I thinking of that he did? Did he do? No, that was. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. Okay. Okay, but uh, okay, like you say, that's the way I felt about it too. It was I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. But there was really no substantial message. Like you get a lot in a lot of Star Trek movies and yeah. TV series. Right. You know, they take a stand one way or another. Sure. Uh, but in this, not so much. Right. And I guess it, I really don't know how well it did. I didn't bother to look it up because yeah. when you called yesterday and it just happened to be on television. Yeah. It was no big deal for me to turn the sound off. It was about as enjoyable with no sound as it was with sound. Right. So, not that great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we got four years later, we get another one uh, into the darkness. Right. And this, if I'm not mistaken, was their view on Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, it was, which to me... I don't know. Without without William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban, like to me, playing like, against each other. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, and and of course their acting is ridiculous, and you know they're emoting to the rafters, you know. And, and but it's just it works so well in that context, and like you know just and the fact is is that you know Benedict Cumberbatch reveals he's con not like really really way late into the movie. And it's like. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. But the fact that he, his interaction with Kirk or their yeah. uh, anti-action or whatever you want to call it. Right. Was nowhere near the original. Right. They did their best, but hard act to follow, man, you know? Well, it's a different acting style. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch yes. and Chris Pine, they're not they they're not the same kind of actors as Shatner and uh, Montalban. They're just not. Right. And, and well, you know, would you say that uh, Shatner and Montalban were at the time more seasoned actors? Oh, certainly. I mean, you have to remember that this was I, I think they were both well past their prime. You know? Yes. Oh, yes. So, and it's not a knock against them. Like I said, I actually enjoy their performances way better than than Pine. I mean, Pine does a fine job. He's not he's not terrible. Yeah, but Benedict Cumberbatch, I, I really think he probably could have been a way better villain if he just wasn't con. Right. Yeah. Yes. If he was a different villain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if they had just changed the story ever so slightly, actually, there's not a whole lot that they had to do to change this story that would have made it you know a better movie yeah but trying to you know bounce off of that off of the uh wrath of khan type of thing it right. just didn't fly at all right but here we go three years later and we get the next one yeah beyond which i have to admit i haven't seen this one <laughs> What? I thought I did, but I didn't. I started reading the plot, and I'm like, okay, I didn't see this one at all. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, out of the Kelvin, I have to say Beyond is my favorite on that. That gets my number one vote on that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, like we talked, the first one, I mean... Every one of them were entertaining. Uh-huh. You know, there was a lot of action. Uh, it, let's put it this way. You weren't falling asleep on those movies. Uh-huh. You know, there was something to keep your attention and to keep you either liking or disliking. Yeah. And I think that yeah. one was one that was not directed by Abrams. It was directed by Justin Lin, so. Well, beyond. Yeah. That's my point. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. But if I had to rate those, and, well, I guess we really can't give them a good rating. Yeah. Uh, because you haven't seen Beyond. Yeah, well, uh, I, I would say I like the first one better than I like the second one. Oh, yeah. 
Well, for me, it would be beyond Star Trek, then into darkness. Right. That's go. the way I would do it. Yeah. Um, however, since you didn't see that, um, if you'd like, I will talk to our fans for a couple hours while you go watch it. Okay. All right. And, All right. Um, we could uh, get some callers, maybe to call into the show, and uh, we'll discuss uh, favorite Kirks, favorite uh, you know captains, favorite first officers, what have you. Okay. If you'd like. <laughs> oh, you know what? Too, uh, we didn't talk about in Next Generations. I meant to mention there was a death in that relatively early in the series. If you remember. Are you talking about the TV show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Indeed. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get... She... Yeah. She was a good character. Yeah, I Tasha Yar. They, yeah, yeah Tasha Yar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why they did that, but... I, I think it was a... Uh, she didn't want to be on the show anymore, so they wrote her out. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's the first season... It's like, is this really going to go anywhere? Is it going to have the same, like, bad luck as the the original series? Is it really going to get, you know, three seasons? Turns out, you know, it was hugely successful in the ramp Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, it had uh, seven seasons. So Yeah, it's the same thing with, um, what's her face? Uh, The Doctor, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Beverly Crusher. Crusher. Yeah. What's her? What's her? Gates McFadden. Yes. Um, she left in the second. She left in the first season as well and got uh, replaced by her character name was Pulaski. Uh, yes, but she uh, was in the original, the original series. series. Yes, right. Um, but that was only for season two, and then she, then um, Gates McFadden came back. Exactly. So, so uh, what was up with that? Was she pregnant or something? Or? No, I think it was also. I didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, she didn't think that she should stay in it. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they do that a lot. I mean, you know, they did that with um, Jadzia Dax in DS9. They killed her off in season six. In the last season, they brought Esri Dax. Uh, so, I, because, I forget her name, Terry Farrell, maybe? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, she, I guess, either wanted more money or there was a dispute, and so she didn't come back for season seven, which, eh, I, I'm kind of sad about that. No big that. deal. Well, no, I, I, I liked Jadzia Dax, but... Um, yeah, I just, yeah, anyway. Well, she married Worf. Right, exactly. So that, you know, and that kind of changed the dynamics of things. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Okay, so, all right, we've gone through all the movies. Yeah. And, uh, uh, just real fast. Uh huh. Uh, we'll go favorite captain. Okay. All right. And I'm going to go with the original, William Shatner. Okay. Captain Kirk. Okay. You? Uh, I have to go with Avery Brooks as his, Cisco. He's, uh, yeah, he's my favorite. He's just... Uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's... Okay. He was like no nonsense, super, you know, tough guy. And he also had a, you know, a very... Uh, loving relationship with the son that I love to see. So it, it's, it, it's like he was able to have that balance of being, you know, total, you know, in charge and yeah, yeah exactly. Family and, man. Yeah. And the family man. So I, I love that about Cisco because, you know, Picard, you had the exact opposite of that where, you know, he couldn't have a private life because he was always the captain. Right. And they attempted to do that with Wesley, but it didn't really work out all that great. Yeah, I agree. No. And uh, you have to note that in the original series, they really didn't pursue that aspect of space travel that their families would be with them. No, Whereas it was, it was did, yeah, you're right. Next Generations and, and beyond, they did choose to, you know, pursue that aspect of it. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, favorite first officer. You go first. Uh, I have to go with Riker. I just I love that character and um, Jonathan Frakes. You know he's got the epic beard, so gotta go with with Riker. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, I have to agree with that. Yeah, that and also he plays the trombone. So yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, so I mean we have to go with him definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, favorite doctor. Favorite doctor. Um, I go first. 
Okay, go ahead. And I'm going, I'm going to go with McCoy, DeForest Kelly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, for me, I'm going to have to go with Robert Picardo as the hologram doctor in Voyager. I thought he oh, was. Yes, very he, good choice. He, he was he was the, the best character on that, that show. And so I have to go with him. And Voyager? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would have to say, yes, my least favorite of any of the series. Me too. All right. Engineer. Uh, I got to go with Jordy LaForge. He's, you know, I, I, LeVar Burton's one of my favorite actors. And, you know, as as um, uh, portrayal of a blind man being an engineer, I thought that was so cool. So I have to go with uh, Jordy. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm going to go with, what was his name? Miles on uh, Deep Space Nine. He was the crossover from... Are you uh, talking about O'Brien? Yeah, Miles, Miles O'Brien. Yes. Yeah, Miles O'Brien. Yeah, Miles O'Brien. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love him too as a, a character as well. He's fantastic. Yes. Okay. Uh, favorite alien? Are you talking about just like alien race? Uh, you could say alien race or alien character. Okay. I'm going to have to go with the Bajorans. I think that um, the way that they... Exp- uh, well, you know what? I say... I'm making a tie between Bajorans and the Ferengi. Because they really did explore both of those alien races in Deep Space Nine and, you know, learning the different rules of acquisition with the Ferengi and uh, the interesting political, spiritual thing happening with their religion was really fascinating. So I have to go with that. Well, I guess you'll never guess which one is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So good. I know every time we saw the uh, great Ferengi, oh gosh, I forget his name now, but... The Grand Nagus Zek. Yes, the Grand, yes. It was your mom laughed and I would just just talk like that right after him and she'd be, oh no, she'd just crack up and get mad at me. Yeah. But okay. All right, we've covered favorite aliens. Last but not least. Okay. Favorite villain. Favorite villain. Okay. Bad um, guy. Okay. You want to go first in this one? Well, okay. All right. I am going to say the Borg Queen. Okay. Was my favorite villain. Mm. I thought she was really manipulative. Right. And uh, uh, she had... Her mindset on what she was going to do, and she was going to get it done no matter what. Yeah, you know, and she did it for most of the movie. Yeah, so that that's my favorite villain. Okay, um, I, I think for me it's going to be Q. Yeah, I just I I love the way he interplays with Picard, and you know I I love how he's not necessarily the most popular amongst uh, his uh, his peers, and so uh, he John Delancey just does a great job at uh, just. Just the craziness of some of the the weird things Star Trek can get into. Right. Well, you know, he does play an excellent villain. He's actually somewhat of a villain on uh, Stargate SG-1. Okay. The problem is every time I see him, I think of Q. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the only problem. with Yeah. Because he, he played that part so well. And uh, wasn't he on Voyager also? Yeah, yeah, Q made an appearance on Voyager. He also made an appearance on DS9, I think, at least once. So That's true. So, I mean, he's... But then again, he is an everlasting race. Or they're all, you know... Yeah, yeah. Eternal. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, I hope that uh, you had some fun with this. I, I sure did. All right. Well, one more thing. Favorite ship. Uh, favorite ship. I'm going to go with uh, the motion picture ship from uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, the very first one when they first got into that. So Enterprise A. Enterprise A, yes. Okay. And you? Uh, I'm going to go with the Klingon Bird of Prey. Very nice. Yeah, I like that. That's my favorite design. But which one? Uh, the original? I, the one from uh, Search for Spock. Okay. I would agree. I like that with the ball in the front. Yes. Excellent. Okay. That's good. 
Any comments? I think we covered it. I think we, we've done... We should do another one like this, but not uh, Star Trek. We should do a different uh, franchise one of these other times. So Okay, and because uh, there are some with a lot of movies. Yep. Uh, I mean, technically we could do Star Wars. Technically, there's a number of different things we could do. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, but we'll discuss it yeah, uh, amongst ourselves. Right. Uh, I do want to make a quick mention that if anybody has the opportunity, they should check out the animated series. Yeah. Uh, I think you would thoroughly enjoy it. It actually has the voices of the original cast on it, except for Chekhov. Right. Because he was busy doing other things at the time. Right. Yep. He did write one of he did write one of the episodes though. Okay. For the animated series. Anyways. Good to know. All right, yes. All right, and uh, hopefully you'll get to watch Beyond. Yeah, yeah. I might get around to that. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, well, thank you all for, for listening this week. Any feedback, feel free to email us, popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, this tweet, and uh, we'll see you next week with something else. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends.